We're talking about prayer answered and unanswered, uh, the mystery of it, and we're going to try to demystify uh, this, this force that we have called prayer. Uh, there's so many different messages in this, and we can't cover them all. Last week, we talked about the reason ancient Israel were, were crying to God and not getting answers from God. They were not only praying, they were fasting. And they ask him, why do we fast and you don't seem to see it? You're not responding to us. The easiest thing to do when prayers are unanswered is to accuse God of unfaithfulness. How many know that's the, that, that will be the first inclination of our reasoning, our logic, even as Christians? Amen? Even as Christians. So we want to take away this, this, this idea that God isn't listening and God isn't faithful. And I almost stepped on your foot. And then you'd have to have something wrapped around your foot. And we don't want to do that to you today. My flesh and your flesh, after a while, when we pray and we see no results, after a while, there will be a thought come into your mind. God didn't answer. God isn't listening. And the devil is very happy to promote that thought to you. Amen? But he is a liar. And he's the father of it. God is a prayer answering God. The eyes of the Lord... Or upon the righteous. So when you pray, you're not informing him of something he doesn't know and doesn't care about. How intimate is he? Jesus said to, to try to get them to understand that a sparrow is sold in the marketplace for a farthing. But not one sparrow falls without your father. In other words, it touches God's heart when a sparrow lives out his lifespan and falls from the sky. The father is touched with one of the least of the birds of the marketplace. And then to show us our worth, he said, you're worth more than many sparrows. There's no one that touches him like you touch him. And yet a sparrow. I, I, this scripture just came to my mind when I was in our backyard and I heard this commotion from one tree to another. And, and I saw that there was several, two or three mockingbirds chasing a young blue jay usually the blue jays are causing the trouble well this time i guess it was payback because about three mockingbirds were were chasing the blue jay and the blue jay was flying a young blue jay and very young blue jay he couldn't outrun them and he was so he could he knew they were getting closer to him and i, I was watching this and i saw him glance back over his shoulder and when he glanced back he hit a tree limb about this big around. And I heard the thud when he hit it flying wide open. And it broke his neck. And he fell from the sky and he fell at my feet. And when he fell at my feet, I could still see him gasping. And I picked him up and I wanted more than anything else. I wanted to revive that little pesky blue jay. But I wanted to revive him so he could live out his life. I wanted to revive him. It, I'm not a... You know, I, it touched me. And I wanted to revive that little bird. If I could have put, my, put his beak in my mouth and <laughs> blew a little oxygen into him, I would. But I'm afraid I'd blow him up. I don't know how you give CPR to a little birdie. But he, he laid in my hand and took his last breath and went limp. And I thought, you know, not only am I touched today by this, not only is it touch, and my heart isn't near as tender as his heart. 
And it's touching my heart today. And I know the heart of God felt that. And I thought, what a, what a, what a, a God that we serve that doesn't sit aloof in His heaven, oblivious to what is touching you and touching me. Not a sparrow falls without your Father being touched by it. And the New Testament said we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses, our hurts, our sorrows, our heartaches, and our heartbreaks, but was in all points tempted. And this word tempted is not just tempted to sin, but all the, all the setbacks and the heartaches and the heartbreaks. It's all part of temptation. And the temptation to us when our heart is broken is to think that God doesn't care. Remember the disciples, and the, uh, they were in a ship, and Jesus is in the ship, and He's confident and calm. Let's go to the other side. And He goes up in the hinder part of the ship and lays down and, and, and goes to sleep, a peaceful sleep. The storm is gathering, and the storm clouds are gathering, and, and the wind is blowing. And after a while, they think, well, He'll wake up and do something about this. He, he'll wake up and take care of this. But Jesus doesn't budge. He's in a deep, serene, confident sleep while they are just about to panic. And I would be too. We, we went fishing. I haven't been in 40 years. 40 years since I've been fishing. I, had to, I got me a, a little... That's a shame, isn't it? Give me a fist bump. I mean, it's a shame. Forty years since I've been and 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 uh, this fellow that took us out in a little pontoon boat, he, he you know he give he give me an old Zebco fishing rod that I had to loosen up with oil and and WD forty and Sean's already laughed. I told him I was going to get a lawn chair because I didn't have a pole or a rod. I was going to get a lawn chair, put it in the pontoon boat, and tie a string around my toe, and just. Throw it out there. But uh, we counted 30 alligators. 30 alligators where we were. And they were big boys. And they probably somebody had been feeding them because every time we got close to the big ones on the bank, they'd come down in the water, you know, headed out toward us. And we just moved on down the line and let them just stay behind. I said all that to say something else, and I'll figure out what it is in just a minute. Amen. <laughs> we don't have a high priest that can't be touched. With the feeling. It's not just our temptations to sin. But a temptation to sin. Because testings comes that we don't understand. And there's a temptation. To accuse God. There's a temptation to question God. I've done it. You know I've done it. I love the song that says. We'll understand it better. By and by. I'll ask the reason. And he'll tell me why. But on this side of eternity, in this side of it all, there are things that occur that I don't understand. And one of the hardest scriptures I have to apply to my life consistently is to trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not to your own understanding. Because you have to, and this is not blind faith. This is based on knowledge of God's ways. For we know that all things work together for good. We know that God is on the throne. And we know that He is touched with the feeling of our need. And we know that if we will continue to trust Him, 
He's going to work it all out to our good and his glory. Everybody say it's a win-win. When that happens, it's a win-win. If we get the good and he gets the glory, then we win and he wins because he gets the glory for our good. Amen. But he's touched. We don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And, And just to put it in the sickness area alone, it said when they brought unto Jesus the sick out of every quarter, and he saw them coming with the halt and the maim and the blind, The Bible said he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. He wasn't just responding to their faith. There was more going on than just whether they believed for their healing. He was moved by his love for them. His sensitivity to whatever was hurting or harming them. In fact, that's exactly what held him. On the cross. Make no mistake about it. When you see as the Easter season comes upon us. When you see Jesus impaled upon a cross. And you see him beaten and treated like he was as a lamb. Dumb before his shearers. He opened not his mouth. It's a good thing he did not open his mouth. Because when Peter tried to defend him. From that, uh, the, that those that came to arrest him. He, he said put up your sword. <laughs> If my kingdom were of this world, if I was thinking about myself and not the people and their hurt and their need and their sin and their terrible fallen condition. He said, I could call the armies of heaven, literally. I could call the armies of heaven. In fact, in the Old Testament, he is called the Lord of hosts. Christ is called the Lord of hosts. Can you say, man, you know what Lord of hosts means? It means the commander in chief of heaven's armies. Hallelujah. And when he comes back, what happens? Heaven's armies are with him because he is the commander in chief. He's riding on a white horse. He's not riding on a donkey anymore. You'll never, never see him. He was on the way to the cross when he was on the donkey. He, he was on his way to the cross. When he rode that donkey into Jerusalem. But when he comes back, he's on his way back to the Father with his people and to judge the earth. Listen to me. And the armies of heaven followed him wearing white linen, clean and white. For white linen is the righteousness of the saints. So it won't just be an angelic army. It will be the righteous ones that he has redeemed that are going to suffer with him that we might what? It's the beginning of our reigning with him. Praise God. Even before we reign with him when he comes, we're to reign in life. Amen. It means that life doesn't rule us. It means that happenstance and circumstance that there's a God who is in control. And we have an exclusive trust in Him, even when we don't understand it. And you say, Brother Rumble, is it wrong to question? It's not wrong to question why this is happening. It's wrong to question God. There's a difference. I've many times went before the Lord and said, Lord, I don't get this. And I can almost hear Him say, I know. (laughs) I know you don't get it. You, you said it one time, uh, giving a testimony, keep it. And, and we said it to ourselves. God wouldn't talk to us this way. I mean, he knows this about us, but he would never say it to us. Keep it simple. Stupid. <laughs> hey, you know what David said about himself? He said, Lord, you pity me because you know how foolish I am. You know I don't have sense. God gave a billy goat without your wisdom. Amen. I can't figure it out. 
I can't figure it out. I'm a king in Israel, but I can't figure it out. But this I have figured out, that you are faithful. And I will trust in your faithfulness enough to give you praise when I get up in the morning and praise when I lay down at night. And I don't know what the day is going to bring, but I know who is in charge no matter what it brings. So when I get up in the morning, I'm going to say, say, this is the day. As someone in control of the whole universe of heaven and earth and things beneath the earth, someone is in control of all of this. Oh, when things are chaotic and out of control, they're still under His control. And He can subdue everything to Himself. Everything to Himself. Hallelujah. In other words, if He wills it, He'll even use what the devil means for evil to bring good and to bring Himself glory. That's how good He is at it. Hallelujah. So this is the day the Lord has made. And we make a commitment before we find out what the rest of the day is going to be like. Because the devil's going to throw some stuff at us. That's his job. He's good at it. We need to get good at confronting him with praise. With the high praises of God in our mouth and a sword in our hand. Hallelujah. Princes shall be bound with fetters and kings with bars of iron. Can you say, man? What does that mean? That means God inhabits the praises of His people. Can you say, man? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, when you face an adversary that is beyond your ability to overcome, you do not call for the physical army. You call for the singers. Jehoshaphat was very upfront, very forthright. Let's, let's get the confession thing right for a change. Let's don't confess how strong we are in ourselves anymore. How much faith we have in our faith. Let's confess how much faith we have in the faithfulness of our Father. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. No temptation is taking you, but such is common to man. But be thou faithful. No, but God is faithful. You're going to be able to come through it and be faithful because He's going to be faithful to you when the trial comes. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Jehoshaphat, there's an, uh, an allied army made up of three different factions, but they've allied together to destroy you and take the spoil. <laughs> and your army is puny compared to the allied army that's coming against you. And so... He said, Lord, and here's the confession that we're not supposed to make. But you've got to listen to all of it. This is the true confession of faith. Lord, we, speaking of ourselves, our ingenuity, our intelligence, our own might and strength, we have no might in ourselves, in our army, in our military, to go out against this allied army that is overwhelming in strength. We have no might. And we don't have a plan either. We don't have a clue. Neither know we what to do. What a confession. He would be told not to say that now. That he was inviting the devil to overcome him. No, he's not. He's going to invite God to help him. And you can't get God's help in your strength. You can't, you, can't, you can't say, God, I'm going to do most of it and whatever I lack, you take up the slack. No, he's not coming to take up the slack. He's coming to take over. Can you say, man, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. 
If it's yours, you better know how to fight and you better have a lot of might. But if it's the Lord, you don't have to know any of those things because it's the good fight of faith. Listen to me. This is important. We got too many bandy roosters walking around with their chest out talking about their authority. And I'm going to tell you something. They need to get their focus off of their bad self and get it back on God and His goodness and His grace and His mercy. Because apart from Him, apart from Him, it doesn't matter how many faith formulas you've got and how many times you say it with your mouth. Apart from Him, apart from Him, apart from Him, you can't do anything. Can you say amen? Faith, faith focuses God and His faithfulness. God and His faithfulness. Jesus is asleep. <laughs> and the storm is raging. Heaven is silent. Jesus isn't aware or awake. And they think he ought to wake up. Somebody shake him. Somebody tell him. Somebody said, if, if, what, when in fear, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. That's what most people do. They hit the panic button. They were about to hit the panic button. Wake him up. And this is what, this is how they woke him. Master, don't. You care. And that's the lie. That's the lie reinforced by the circumstance. Because you can't see nothing or feel nothing when you're going through it but that circumstance. You know what I'm talking about today. You can't sense God when your emotions are raw. I'm sorry, you can't. He can't, he can't bypass that until your focus is back on Him. It's not that He couldn't, He just won't do it. He will not manifest Himself in confirmation of our fear, doubt, and accusation. But He will when our faith rises up. And our praise comes toward Him in spite of that circumstance. Amen. But He will not manifest Himself to confirm my fear. But He will to confirm my faith. We have no might. What did Paul say? He said, when I am weak... When I am weak. And see, you've got to confess that weakness. You've got to acknowledge that weakness. You've got to acknowledge that without His help, you're sunk. I love the story of it. They just had tornadic activity in, in the Panhandle in Pensacola and the Carolinas and Mississippi and Alabama and Arkansas and, and three people dead and, and just terrible stormy stuff. And so, how many ever seen the campers that sit on the back of a truck? Family of three, four actually, mama, daddy, little boy, and his, his little sister. They're all in one of those campers. They camp by a lake. They love to fish. Sister Dale, when Terry retires, he'll probably be 120, but when he retires, she has put in her order. I want, I, it don't have to be a big fancy house. I just want it by a lake. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to be able to look out the door and look out over that lake. And Terry shouldn't have any problem with that because he won't just get in that boat and go out in that lake. Amen. And catch those fish and put it on Facebook and shame the pastor. Amen. Like father, like son, chip off the old block. Next time I go fishing, I'm going with Terry. We're going to skunk you, son. We got a lot at stake. Hallelujah.
The devil wants us to question our God, to quench our praises, to not let our words line up with his words because of our circumstance, what we see and what we feel. And on that boat, they saw the storm's intensity. They felt the threat of the boat sinking. And they felt something that was more dangerous than any physical storm. And that was they doubted God's love and watched care over them. Master, don't you care? If you cared, it looked like you would be awake. If you cared, the storm would not be this intense. If you cared, you would be awake and alert and taking care of this problem. If you cared, there would be an immediate answer. But he waited. He waited. He waited. And they shook him. And, and now, here's how the devil will twist this. And I don't want it to get twisted. I want it to stay in context. Master, don't you care that we perish? And he looked back at them and said, where is your faith? Now, the, there's a hyper-faith message that takes the focus off of God and puts it on our faith and our ability through our faith to extract ourselves out of our problem. The force of faith that does it. Not the Father. And it's a subtle shift from trust in the faithfulness of the Father. The problem is, the faithfulness of the Father is unshakable. But your faith in mine, because we live in faulty bodies, in a fallen world, and you cannot, you can transcend your emotions and praise God and confess His Word, but you can't divorce yourself from your emotions. Heartbreak is going to be felt in you. You can't become immune. Heartache is going to be felt in you. That's why Jesus understands us so well, because He felt all of that. His faith never wavered, but He felt the heartache. He felt the heartbreak. He felt the, all of those things. In fact, on the cross, He felt the emptiness and loneliness of being abandoned by God. Even though He was God. And that's a, that's a complicated, complex, I still can't comprehend God Talking to God. But the Old Testament did say, My Lord said to His Lord. Amen. Listen to me carefully. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He knows what a lost sinner facing a godless eternity feels and faces. He's touched. And that's why every sinner on this earth has God's heart weeping over and God's spirit drawing. Can you say, man, he's touched, he's touched, he's touched, he's touched. Sean, we've lived long enough to find out that faith formulas, just simple faith formulas without a trust in a father who loves us. You've been through enough. You, you know something, God does take, there's a beauty in a brokenness. If in that brokenness we find a relationship with God of trust that's deeper than we could have ever known without the brokenness. Right now I'm thanking God. I, 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 I don't like the feeling of it. And I know I'm going to feel it again and again. As long as I live, there's going to be more heartache and more heartbreak in this fallen world, in this faulty body. But I have a faithful Father. 
And because He is faithful, no matter what happens, He will lift us up. He will bring us through. It won't be in our timing. It will be in His timing. But God is faithful. No temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear, who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Praise God. I'm going to bring a message soon again on Adonai, which is not a name of God, but is the Old Testament title that was given to God. Amen. And it means Lord. It means Master. It's an important part of our relationship to Him and with Him. And we're going to try to bring that to you uh, real soon and bring you some things that I believe is going to just challenge you and change you because it's challenging me after all of these years and thank God it's still changing me. I'm in a state of change. Hallelujah. As we behold as in a glass, His face, His true person his visage amen through his character and personality i'm not talking about the shroud of turin the the possibility of this being an outline if it is it's very vague and there's no artist there's no picture of jesus but jesus said you can see the father in everything i say and everything that i do even though he's a spirit he's invisible but i can i can i can flesh him out so that you can understand his very person and his very character and as we behold as in a glass what do you see in a mirror that's the word for glass here you see the reflection of your true self can you say man in the word of god you don't see you first you see him hallelujah and as we behold as in a glass his face his true visage his true person we are changed into what the image that we're beholding hallelujah we're changed into his image from glory to glory Because we see how far we are and we're going to be just like it. No, it's by the Spirit of God who does what? He produces the fruit, the product of His work in our life and our character. He reproduces His character in us. It's His love, His kindness, His goodness, His mercy, His patience, His love, His hope, His joy. Hallelujah. In you and in me. Hallelujah. So we come to a point that Paul says, I live, but yet I'm dead, but yet I'm dead, but yet I'm alive. And yea, it's no more I that live. It's Christ that liveth in me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Remember that song we used to sing? I love you with the love of the Lord. Well, if you don't love me with the love of the Lord, you're not going to keep loving me very long. Because if you love me with this old churchy religious brand, I've been churchy and around religious people long enough to find out it it, it won't bear up when you disappoint somebody. They'll quit you and never look back. Amen. Amen. Come on. I've been... Oh, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to thank you, Lord, for checking me. If I get down in there, I'll wallow in the mud. And I don't want to wallow today. I want to worship and praise God. Hallelujah. God's been good to me. And He sent good people to me. Amen. And all church people are not bad. I mean, in the real bad sense. I know you're bad, but you're not bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's a good bad. He's a bad man. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. He's a rad bad man. Boy, if he had a garage, man, he would have a, a, a car that I would want him to chauffeur me around in. Glory to God. Anyway, moving right along. We'd have the biggest engine in town, wouldn't we? That thing would peel rubber just when you touch the accelerator. You wouldn't have to mash down on it. God's people. Every one of us have to endure temptation. And the great temptation in the time of the trial is to wonder if God loves us. If he loved you, would he allow this? If he loves you, he would permit. Why doesn't he do something if he loves you? It's the big, it's the big question that the, the, the gainsaying world sets before God. If he loves him, why is he letting all these children go hungry if he loves the world? Because we can do something about that. Did you know, you know what would feed the nations of the world right now? If all of the people, this is statistically proven, if all of the people that grow hops for brew, brewing, if all the people that grow hops, just the hops, for the beer that is consumed in the world, just the hops, if they grew a food crop, that food crop would feed Ethiopia, South Africa, the Congo, the deserts. All the nations of the world would be fed if man had enough compassion to get away from his self-indulgence long enough. Because after I got saved, I found that iced tea was also good. And I wouldn't have a DUI on the way home from drinking iced tea. I've had to sit in the car after some of the services we used to have before I got on the highway. We had a lady drunk on the Holy Spirit. When I first, first little church I pastored in Plant City, we had a Holy Ghost service, a power. Remember? Hey, listen, this is biblical. When the Holy Ghost truly fell on the day of Pentecost, they had to explain to them. Because they were looking at people they thought had, 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 were drinking, and Peter stood up. These men are not what? Drunk, as you suppose. Seeing it's but the third hour. In other words, we expect, uh, you know, during when everybody's off from work and headed for the bar to get, drink too many martinis, amen, we expect, we expect drunkenness out of them. When the bars close at night, it's not a good time to be on the road when the bars are closing at night. I was on my way home from the hospital, visiting someone in the hospital, 2 o'clock in the morning, and a highway patrol pulled up behind me. And he just stayed right behind me. I was doing 65. The speed limit is 70. And I thought, if he's sitting right behind me, I don't know, I just went 60. You know? And... He lit, lit me up. I mean, he turned on his lights. I pulled over. I was almost to my exit at Plant City. And he said, sir, where have you been? I mean, he said, sir, have you been drinking? And I said, no, sir, I have not. And he said, where have you been? I said, I've been to the hospital. I'm a minister. I was visiting. And I'm on my way home now from the hospital. He said, well, when I come up behind you, you slow down. I thought if, the, if you see the popo in your rearview mirror, you're going to slow down too. It's just a natural thing to do. He said, well, you were driving too careful. I pulled over for driving too careful. Although I was feeling much better. I don't think they write you tickets for going 
too careful, too slow, 45 or under on the interstate. Been any other night, he would have he got my hide. Amen. But anyway, <laughs> I was just thankful it wasn't another night. And he said, well, sir, I'm sorry to bother you, but he said the bar's closed. And he said the people that are trying too hard to be, and he said, I pull up behind people just to see their reaction. And if they slow down and drive too straight, I assume they're trying to cover up for the drinking. And he said, you met the profile, and I'm sorry to have bothered you. Have a good evening, sir. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. I wasn't running 80 like I usually do. Because he couldn't have got me for DUI. He would have got me for speeding. <laughs> and I would have said, officer, you're right. I'm wrong. But he didn't, and I didn't. Anyway, God is good. Listen, we have a high priest. And he is touched when we are tempted, when we are tested. We don't have a high priest that can't be touched. If a sparrow falls, God feels it. Not one falls without your father. And I thought, Lord, to think that you feel when a sparrow falls what I'm feeling. And your love is infinitely beyond my love and my compassion. But I'm hurting for this little bird right here. I feel it. I feel it. And you feel it. And if you feel for this little bird, little insignificant death that just occurred, in the grand scheme of things, how insignificant this little infinitesimal incident in time and space has occurred, and yet the God of the universe feels that in His heart. And you, His highest creation, you that He has paid the greatest price to redeem. When something touches you, it touches Him. So when you become before the throne of grace, we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That means He feels it. He understands it. He knows your frame and He loves you in spite of your weaknesses and your fallibilities and your questions. He just can't manifest Himself in confirmation to your fear, your doubt, and your accusations. But if you begin to just have enough faith to say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I do understand this, that you are a good and faithful Father. And I will not let the devil cause me to deny that. I will praise you with my lips and my tongue this day. If you will do that, there is no prison house that the devil's trying to corral you in that can hold you in. He will open the door of the prison house for you. And you will come out and you will know victory in your life. But you've got to make a quality decision that I, I'm going to get out. Out of this, this, this normal fleshly reaction to everything, I'm, I'm determined to act and not react. Your flesh will always react in a particular way. And as a Christian, I've got to learn how to react. Not react in my flesh, but act in my spirit. And when I do, something's got to change. God is not going to back up. And God is not going to back down. He watches over His Word if I confess it and claim it. He watches over His Word to do what? To perform it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be powerful? 
to see God's people rise up as spiritual warriors. Master, don't you care that we perish? That's the greater danger than the storm and the circumstance. Is this enemy trying to get us to doubt his watch care and his love for us? Because the answer is delayed. Because the answer is not forthcoming as quickly as we think. We get impatient. And then we get impertinent. And too many Christians are accusing God that need help so desperately from God. And that's not how you get it. That's not how we receive it. But if we determine to praise Him, He's going to come through. That's why the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, After you were illuminated, you endured such a great fight of afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God delivereth him out of some of them, most of them. Some of the time, most of the time, God delivereth him. This is God's will, God's purpose, God's word. God delivereth him out of them all. But in order for his deliverance to come, he needs our cooperation. Our cooperation. Come on. Our cooperation. Our cooperation. When he says, praise me, praise him. Praise him by faith. Don't wait. Don't wait for a change. Praise him by faith. Can you say amen? Faith in what? His faithfulness. He loves you. He's not going to bail out on you. Here's how this two-edged sword worked. This two-tongued sword. Two in agreement saying the same thing. Having the same judgment. Speaking. Speaking. The same thing. Can you say man? God wanted to heal me that day. But He needed my cooperation. Hallelujah. He needed me to confess. This is it. It's done. Hallelujah. By the stripes of Jesus. It's done. By the Word of God. It's done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't doubt His love. Don't doubt His love. Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus says, where is your faith? Now watch this. This is very important as we close. Faith in your faith will say this. I don't need Him to wake up. I don't need Him to get involved. Bless God. Watch the banny rooster. God, I got faith. I got faith. He asked me, where's my faith? Bless God, I'm going to show everybody and the devil and the storm too. i got me some faith. I'm bad. I'm bad. Can, I mean, really. <laughs> Come on, you see it. You hear it. It's part of the sermon today. They walk out. No, they prance out. They talk to the storm. They tell the storm. Peace, be still. I, he told me, where's your faith? Well, bless God, I'm going to talk to that storm. I'm going to tell it off. I'm going to tell everybody what to do and tell the devil where to go. No. When he said, where's your faith? It was because of the last words they said. Don't you care? They were doubting his love. They were doubting his faithfulness. They were doubting his care. And who walked out on the bow of the ship? Did Peter do it? Did John do it? Did Matthew do it? Who did it? The one who is the boss, the one who is in charge, the one who is faithful, the one who has the power in heaven and earth. Oh, friend, we are not little gods with a little G or a big G. 
He's God. And you and I are in clay vessels. Thank God Jesus walked out. And Jesus said, Peace! Be still! And there was a great calm. It didn't mean the storm stopped and eventually the sea lost that, that terrible chaos brought, it by, brought on by such wind and storm immediately recognizing the maker of the sea and the maker of the wind. The wind stopped dead stop. <laughs> Not even a breeze. And the sea that would have took hours to calm down stopped immediately. And immediately there was a great calm because creation heard Creator say, Be still. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, by the way, if God doesn't speak to the storm immediately... He will speak to you and say unto you, Peace, Ruth. Peace, Robert. Be still in your soul. I love that song that says, Be still and know that He is God. Can you say, man, I love that, that scripture that says, Be still and know that He is God. For in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Can you say, man? And here's another myth. He didn't want them to use their faith to stop the storm. He wanted them to keep faith in His faithfulness. If they hadn't said, don't you care? And they just said, Master, we need your help. Everybody asking for help, God help, when they ask in the heart of faith in His goodness, His mercy. They were doubting both His goodness and His mercy, and more importantly, His love, from whence the goodness and mercy flows. Peter is in the boat again. They're on their way to the other side. And they're in a storm again. Isn't it amazing? You wonder why storms come in your life and you wonder about God and His will and are you in the will of God? And If you're in the will of God, expect a storm. They never went anywhere that He told them to go that a storm didn't hit them, try to stop them from getting there. But they always got there because He helped them to get there. It's always Him that's helping. And it's us that need the help. And the focus of faith is never our faith. It's our Father. It's our Savior. It's our Sovereign. It's our King. It's His love and His faithfulness. So, they're in, in, a, in the midst of the sea. Storm hits them. You can't go back. You've got to go on regardless. You're in the middle. You're halfway across. There's nowhere to run to for safety. And they're again thinking they're going to be swamped and sink and die at sea. And they're looking over the ramparts. And I know they're crying out to God. And they see a man. A visage they thought was a man. Walking serenely, securely, confidently on top of a terrifying storm-tossed sea. And impetuous Peter... He looks out there and says, this could be an apparition. I don't know what I'm looking at, but the closer he gets, it looks, and he's not even, listen, this guy's not coming to the boat. He's not coming to the boat that's in trouble. He's just headed to the other side. Come on, the devil will tell you, listen, God ain't listening, why bother praying? You've been praying a long time, nothing's happened, ain't, no, ain't nothing going to happen now. Why don't you just quit praying? Why don't you just quit praying? Why don't you just hush up and quit praying and believe in God? 
Listen to this. It said, and he would have passed them by. And I know the song that you're coming in your heart. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble. Well, it wasn't a humble cry. It was a panic-stricken cry. Poor me. There's a song out called Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me. And it's one of those country drinking songs about heartache and heartbreak. You know what I mean? It's poor, poor, pitiful me. I, I don't drink, and I, you know, but if I was a drinker, I'd get drunk listening to that song. Amen. Poor, poor, pitiful me. And that's the way they were feeling. Poor, poor, pitiful us. Don't you care? Here we are again. You told us to go. A storm is going to sink us and kill us all. Don't you care? But he saw a man out there walking to sea in the midst of the storm. And he said, it looks, I'm almost, I, I, hate, to, I hate to commit myself on this, but it ain't no ghost. It's a real man walking out there. And, and I hate to commit myself again, but it looks like Jesus. And so he hollers at the man out there. Who what? Who would have passed him by? Listen, God said, call upon me. Psalm 50 and 15. First be thankful. Show gratitude in everything you do to God. And then call on me in the time of trouble. Call on me. Listen, prayer wasn't man's idea. It was God's idea. God is the one that says, call on me. For John 17, you, you were teaching on that. Oh, hallelujah. You know, in the book of John, you know what it says? Heretofore, you haven't asked anything in my name. You haven't been putting prayerful trust in a God that cares about you, loves you, and responds to your cry. Oh, call upon me. Amen. You haven't asked anything in my name. Ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. But I do not say that I will pray for you. For the Father, the Father... Not the force, but the Father Himself loveth you. That's why He listens. When you talk, He bends down to listen. So talk to Him. Talk to Him. Call Him up. Call Him up. Call Him up. Can you say amen? Call Him up. upon the name of the Lord. Jeremiah 33.3 Found out God's God's number. 333. Jeremiah 33.3 Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But you've got to call on me. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. What does it mean that He's going to show us revelations? No, He's going to show us a realization of answered prayer. I'm going to show you, listen, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it's never entered the heart of man what God hath prepared for His children. Before you start looking up to heaven, start listening to the Holy Spirit. Can you say, man, this is not about pearly gates or golden streets. This is about the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal what belongs to you and what God has granted you and given you in Jesus Christ. Eye has not seen the physical eye. The ear has not heard. It's never entered into the heart. What God hath prepared for them that love Him. Can I finish that in context? But He hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Can you say, man? He said there's a revelation of the Holy Spirit. And then when faith gets in the heart to claim what is yours in Christ... There's not only a revelation of it, there's a realization of it. Because you pray in faith and you put your trust in God and God comes through with the answer. I'll show you things you've never seen if you'll begin to pray. Express your faith by prayer and looking to me through that prayer. Listen to me carefully. It gets so good. But if we don't have that revelation... And we'll never put it into practice and get that realization. Because God is able. God is able. And everywhere you see God is able. In the Greek and context together, it means God is able and faithful. Because if He's able and not faithful, His ability to help won't do you any good at all. So the emphasis is not just on the power of God, but the person who holds that power and is ready to use it in your behalf. Can you say, man? You understand faith got to be in a person, not just in power. Amen. If I got suddenly became a billionaire, it would be huge. Amen. <laughs> Wouldn't it? It would be huge if I became a billionaire. But if I, wouldn't it be huge? Give me a fist bump. It'll be, it would be some kind of huge. Ginormous is what it would be. And if you knew I became a billionaire and I had the power to pay off everything you owe. <laughs> fist bump. <laughs> Brother Taylor said, I know that guy. I knew him when he's just a little old preacher trying to raise enough money to pay the insurance on the church. Bless God. But now he's a billionaire and it's huge. Amen. And he, you know why he would be welcome at my door, number one, because I love him. And if he knew I had the power to help him, he knows I love him enough to help him. And even that knowledge of me would give him the courage to knock on my door and say, Brother Venable, I just thought I'd ask. You don't have to do it. I know how humble he would come. Amen. <laughs> you don't have to do it. I didn't come here to get just that. I just, just thought if you, if you could. Remember what a man said to Jesus and he responded to him? Lord, if you will. I know you've got the power. That's, not a, that's a non-issue. But if you will, if you have the heart to respond to me. If you have the compassion, if you have the love, you, the power flows behind that, not in front of that. Hallelujah. If you will, thou canst make me whole. And Jesus said, I will. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will. I will. I will. Hallelujah. Amen. Centurion. I'm not worthy. You should come under my house, but I got a servant I love like a son. He's more like a son than a servant to me. And he's sick and dying. And he said, Lord, 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 if you will come to my no, no. He said, Lord, my servant is sick and he's dying. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. I'm willing. And he said, I'm not worthy that you should set a foot in my house. This is a soldier that has spilt blood and murdered on battlefields in the name of Rome. And he felt unworthy for the Lord to come, but he knew the power. 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 And now he was getting to know the person enough to know he would use that power. He said, you don't even have to come in under my roof. I'm not worthy of that. All you got to do is speak the word. Can you say, man, for I'm a man under authority. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I tell men to go and they go. And I tell men to come and they come. Amen. And that authority comes by Caesar and that power is manifest because Caesar has mandated it. But you are a man under authority of a power of a father. Hallelujah. And when you say things, he's going to cause it to come to pass. Can you say, man, you're under authority. Therefore, you've got the authority. So you don't even have to come and lay hands on him. All you have to do is speak the word only. And Jesus stood up, reared back and said, I haven't found faith like this. No, not in all of Israel. Can you? It wasn't faith in his faith. It was faith in the man that he was looking to and focusing on. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as we close, Peter began to quiz this man. If you are he, if you're Jesus, bid me come to you. If you can walk the water, tell me to come to you and I'll come out and come to you. Because if you can do it and you want me to come to you, I can do it. Impetuous Peter. And Jesus, of course, said, Come on! And Peter jumped out of the boat and didn't sink. And he said, Wow! I'm bad. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he's walking on the water until in his humanity, in his humanity, and you do not become superhuman by faith. In his humanity. Oh, see, here's what, here's what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you that, that you should have the faith to stop the storm by speaking to it. And if you can't, you're sunk. God is faithful. Jesus walked out. You know what God wants? He wants faith to focus on him. Last time I read, he's the author. And he's the finisher. He's the alpha of it. And he's the omega of it. He that began a good work, alpha, will do it until the day of Jesus Christ, the omega. It's all about him from beginning to end. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad my faith is in his faithfulness. Because my faith has wavered. In my personal ability to just stand on the word and say everything just right and do everything just right to get an answer. But my faith in his faithfulness doesn't waver because his faithfulness and his love for me never wavers. Hallelujah. So Peter's doing real fine.
until he recognizes the storm, by the way, got harder. When you get out on the Word of God, you start proving it in your life. Don't look for an immediate great calm. Look for the storm to get worse before it gets better. And he saw that the... See, it was a bad storm threatening to sink him. Now he said he saw the storm was exceeding bad. The waves were bigger. The winds were stronger. And he began to sink. And here's the message today. If you build your faith strong enough in the Word of God, you will never get that sinking feeling. But when, listen, when the money don't come in for whatever project, whether it be television or the new offices or whatever they're building or the new jet plane or seaplane or biplane or when the money don't come in, they get that sinking feeling with that big old multi-million dollar budget. And what do they do immediately? Do they just keep their eyes on the Lord and forget about it and trust Him with it? No, they send you a letter. They send me a letter. Come on. They get on television, talking that kind of talk all the time. But it's time to walk it out when they have a problem. They get on television and say, come on, folks, we've got to have you. You've got to send it in this week. It's got to be this week. We've got to get this need. Well, of course they do. There's nothing wrong with asking for help when you need it. But don't ask as if God isn't there and you can't trust Him. If you're going to teach it that way and your faith is now in your faith, then just use your faith and leave me be. Amen? Use your faith and let me alone. So they said he, he, see, he took his eyes off of Jesus. Well, he did. Well, he got out on the Word of God. He took his eyes off the Word and got it on the circumstance. Well, he did. Sure he did. And God did not expect him to stand on the Word and walk on the water without God's help and God's grace and God's love and God's mercy holding him up. Because if you could develop your faith to that level, you won't need who? You won't need God anymore. Your force of your faith is doing it. Can you see the shift from faith in God to faith in your faith? And what happens when your faith wavers? You sink. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He didn't expect Peter to never start sinking because of the circumstance. What he expected Peter to do is trust the Lord when it occurred. And so what was Peter's great confession of faith? Say it again, my brother. What was his great faith confession that got him back to the boat? Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. And I don't know how the gap was closed between a sinking Peter and Jesus. But immediately, the moment he said, see, You're not supposed to say, I'm sinking. You're not supposed to say, I have a problem. You're not supposed to acknowledge your need for grace and mercy and help and love. You're supposed to get it together. Can you say, man, get thine act together. 
Don't confess it. It won't happen. You're sinking about to drown. Listen, it's happening. Can you say, man, no matter what you say, you need to know what to say when it's happening. When you're up to your neck in alligators. There's no time to discuss draining the swamp. Can you say, man, it's time to call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And call upon the name of a faithful God who's touched with what's happening to you. And did what in response to that feeble cry? Oh, I love that old song. We, we, they don't like it. They don't like it in certain hyper-faith circles. Amen. Because they ain't got faith in the Father. They got faith in their faith. And all they can show you is their gold and their silver and their, their compounds and their mansions that they've acquired. Amen. Listen, we need some people talking about the Father, talking about the Son, and talking about the Holy Spirit. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Talking about the love of God that never falters and never fails that held Jesus on that tree. Hallelujah. 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 And immediately, immediately, immediate response, immediately when he says, Lord, I'm sinking. Without your help, I'm a goner. He reached down, lifted him up. And what God wants faith to look like all the time, supported by Jesus. Not just... Listen, not just by the Word, but by the Word made flesh Himself. By Jesus. Author, finisher, Jesus. Hallelujah. Him and Jesus walked together. Supported by Jesus, He walked the water. Back to the boat. Can you say man? But He didn't have faith in His faith when they got back to the boat. He had faith in the faithfulness of his Lord and his Savior and his King. And that kind of faith won't fail you because God responds. I love that old camp meeting song. He will hear your faintest cry and he will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer wheel turning, how you know a little fire is burning and just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to tell you, this is a preview to the, the message on Adonai. It's an important message. I watched it to a point that they stopped it, and I'm glad they did. But 20 of our brethren, 20 of our brethren, Coptic Christians, poor men who's who's because of the war in the Middle East, the wars between the factions and the ISIS. 20 of them had went down into Syria just a few months ago. They went down into Syria to find work. They were poor men with families about to starve. And they went down to war-torn Syria just to find day labor jobs so their families would not starve. They were Coptic Christians. And ISIS came to where they were sleeping and they asked this question, listen to it carefully. Where are the followers of the cross? That's the question they ask. Where are the followers of the cross? Where are the Christians who follow Jesus who died on the cross? They took 20 of them. 19 of them were Christian. One of them was from Ghana. And he was not a Christian. But faced with the certainty of death, he had been around these 19 Coptic Christians from Egypt. 
And he, he had found the goodness and the grace and the peace that only God can give. He saw it in them. So a Catholic priest who viewed the entirety. You've seen the orange jumpsuits and the 20 men lined up at the seashore of the Mediterranean. Normally a beautiful place where tourists would go. But this time there's 19. I mean, there's 20 men on their knees lined up. And there's 20 men in black uniforms and hoods behind them. And they're going to kill and behead in the name of ISIS. They're going to kill all 20 because they are what? Military combatants, spies. No, because they're poor laborers trying to make a living for their family. And they're going to kill them in the name of their God. And he said, the news media stops because this was a well-done propaganda video. But it backfired on the devil because it showed the faith of modern-day martyrs. And he viewed it in a closed viewing. He said, when they came and began to kill each one, every one of them was mouthing the name Jesus. He saw the actual murder. They didn't show us that. They stop at a point. He saw it go through. He saw the 20 terrible, horrifying deaths. And every one of those Christians. They, they were not talking about faith and stuff and, and the power and the force and the look at me. They were talking about one Savior, one Sovereign, one King. They could grant the, the grace to be delivered or the grace to give their life for Him. And they were not just saying Jesus, the name. They were saying Jesus in a phrase. And what they were saying in the face of the devil and all of his anger and angst, they said, Jesus is Lord. Every last one, every last one of them, their last words out of their mouth, you think that you're winning. They knew what was going to happen better than we here in America. No, there was grace. Come on, there had to be grace on them. Come on, they were not crying out to a God who wasn't doing anything for them. They said, He's done something for us. He sent His Son. He died on the cross and He's with us. Hallelujah. And we will not deny Him. They could have denied Him. They came to the 20th man. And they said, Are you a Christian? And He had obviously just accepted Christ because He saw the peace that was upon them. And he said, no. I haven't been a Christian. They said, well then would you renounce Christ? And do whatever they want him to say about their particular brand of radical Muslim extremism. And you know what he said? Because he must have accepted Jesus right at that moment. He couldn't say this. He said, their God is my God. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 Come on, folks. We're sitting here in America. 
in relative comfort. But there are martyrs dying for the faith right now. And you know what we need? We need Christians with faith in God. With faith in the Father. That are drawing near to Him. That are loving Him back for loving them. And loving Him enough to say no more. And He was gone. And hallelujah. And I thought of you from Guyana. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are Christians in Guyana. Hallelujah. And it's growing. And it's growing. And it's growing. Can't nobody. Do me like Jesus. Can you say, man, hallelujah. He's my friend. He's my brother. He's everything. He's my bread. He's my light. He's my life. When Christ, who is our life, here shall appear. Can you say, man, hallelujah. And I wouldn't forsake him because he will never forsake me. Praise God. What a wonderful Savior that we serve. What a wonderful sovereign. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your love, your commitment. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? God is so gracious and God is so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be His name. Blessed be His name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Where are the followers of the cross today? Here in America. I'm glad to say I am. I am a follower of Jesus Christ today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And, and the priest who watched this said, anyone who saw it, saw the Christian faith rise up higher than death itself. Death did not conquer. There was not one panic-stricken person crying out for deliverance. Everyone had the peace of God all over them as they said, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he gave them the peace to lay down their life in his name. And said the people that have heard this and seen it, they have, they have been encouraged in their faith to stand stronger and truer to Christ. So these men did not die forsaken of God, but with God's special grace and special peace upon them. Can you say, man, hallelujah, Jesus is our Adonai. He is our Lord and our Savior. And He's touched with the feeling of what is touching you right now. So call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Blessed be His name. Blessed be His name. Blessed be His name. Glory to God. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. I want to play this because I believe everyone in here. I know I do. I know there's things that I can do more. I know I can manage my time better. I know I can give more of myself to God. I know. I know that I need forgiveness in areas in my life. And I want to run. Not walk. Not be timid nor tentative but i want to run to the mercy seat it's there for my forgiveness it's there because the blood of jesus sprinkled it so that when i come i can receive mercy and grace to help in the time of any need i can come with confidence that i'll be received because it's his blood 
that sprinkled the spiritual mercy seat. And I want to come running. I want to come running. I want to come running to that mercy seat. How many need the mercy seat today? You need a God like this. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise. Let's give Him praise before we go home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.